um, that intro bit. Did we did we cook any ideas? I mean, per- personally, I think you should just play the whole Regan Rainbow theme, but um, yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I it, it's hard it's hard to like dig a thing out of that last hour of just of of. I mean, there's not dense talking about it. Funny to do. I mean, it's funny, but it's not funny. You know, like it's funny. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I I may have something. I don't well, know. I was trying to think of like so a so and so da 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 all walk into a bar, but be like so so thirteen necromancers, twelve cavaliers, and all of them are gay walk into a bar. There's like something there, but I can't like find it. I can't figure it out. It's almost a joke. I see what you're cooking, but I don't know enough yeah. to help you. Hang on, hang on. I, I can, I can I know, help you. I, know. I can help you. God, I want you to just do like a Seinfeld bit like that, Jay. Like, so what's the deal with Lictus? You know, but, um... Lictor, I hardly know. Damn, I was just about to say that. <laughs> Damn it. That is so good. All right, all right. Can, can, I, can I just yes. make a clean pass at that? All right. So what's the deal with Lictus? I mean, come on, Lictor? I hardly know her. <laughs> Thank you, folks. I'll be here at Canaan House all week. They will not let me leave. I am soul bonded to the pavement. Oh my god! Is that something? Is that anything? <laughs> That's fucking it. incredible. It was beautiful. I don't know what pavement. I meant to say architecture, but said no, pavement. No, pavement is fine. Pavement is fine. Performing in the parking lot. <laughs> Yeah, the, the Canaan House parking lot. God, you know, I don't remember if his name was actually Father now. Now I'm like, it's a grandfather? It doesn't matter. I, he, he, I think you were right. I he think was like a hundred souls stuffed in one body also. It was very interesting. Yeah. So He's he's some sort of oogie boogie he's a weird from concept, Nightmare Before Christmas. Anyway, I gotta log off. Welcome to the Hyperfixation, where my friends come onto our show and tell us about things that excite them for 30 to 45 minutes. Uh, sometimes not, maybe more, who knows? My name is Roma Ostman. I use the they and them pronouns. And today I'm joined by my co-host, uh, Jakey. Hey, I'm Jake. I use the uh, them and him pronouns. Them and Those are good pronouns. But we've got a special situation going on today, we Jakey. Do. Absolutely. We don't just have one guest host today, do we, Jakey? I'm I'm counting the people on this call, and there's four of them. We've got two guest hosts today, and the first one I'm going to introduce is Jay. Hear that? We're a situation. Hi, a I'm Jay. Situation. <laughs> uh, you, you may remember me from the season one episode about Pokemon. I am delighted to be back on uh, Roma Osman's Wild Ride. Now Woo! Roma and Jakey's Wild Ride. Uh, they and them pronouns. Uh, if you're a Moonshot Podcast Network follower, you might know me as the creator of additional postage required on the Moonshot Network, and I am delighted to be here again today. I'm so hyped, and I've been nonstop talking about additional postage required to everybody oh, who yeah. gave me a chance. We, we should say, Roma, you're in it. You're you're in yeah. it as a queer sheriff. I'm a sheriff. 
Gil Hargrave is right here right now with me, and I am happy to be talking to them. I'm sorry, this is not what this show's about. I just had to do it. <laughs> no, you're valid. Um, I actually, I don't know if I told you, uh, one of my clients at my real deal IRL job, um, she keep, I told her about the podcast, and uh, she's listening to it right now. So I'm excited to hear her feedback when she returns oh from my Colorado. God. Let, let me tell you... The additional postage required. I have like cousins who listen to it who don't know anything about what I do in my spare time. It is the most accessible podcast of all time, other than this one and our other guest one. We all have the most accessible podcast of all time. I'm just saying, I am happy that mine gets to apparently be one of them. <laughs> I'm so excited. Um. So yeah, I'll let you know when I hear back from her. Okay. Be so good. She's um, gonna tell you she hates it. No, she's a theater lady. Uh, she's she's going to love it. But we have not just one guest today. We have two. And last but not least is our very own Audrey. Hi, I'm Audrey. I use the she and they pronouns. And I host Alone at the Table for Moonshot Network, which is a solo RPG actual play podcast. I have been on this show, but not with Roma or Jakey or any of the other hosts. I hosted the uh, show swap episode about Sonic with my partner, Aaron. So I am really excited to be here in a um, official capacity, more official capacity. Also, I decided that I want to change the subject of today's uh, show to be additional postage required. Ah! Yeah. I can't be here. No I'm too close to the source. I gotta go. I gotta go, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> that's really that's good. That's great. All of that was wonderful. Um what if we did a a, a two for one deal where we spend a solid amount of time talking about additional postage required and somehow segue that into the to the topic of today? I mean, Roma, no shit, I would come on the show just to talk about additional postage required. <laughs> you know what? Uh, maybe we'll do that, but we'll we won't tell Jay. We won't tell Jay. No, we won't tell Jay. No, It'll be a secret. Boy, it's a good thing I'm not on this call, so I won't know what's happening <laughs> you, or anything. You didn't hear any of that, Jay. Don't that worry about it. That would be really, it. really awkward and strange for me. If you see a channel pop up that says Jay, don't look in here. Don't look in there. So look <laughs> in there. Oh, oh, so I should, I'll do the Garfield. I wonder who this is for. Or the uh, the Arthur. I, this won't stop me because I can't read. Exactly. The dead dove do not eat. I don't know what I expected. <laughs> yeah. You know. For context of what I'm about to say, uh, I don't know if y'all know, but Jay is one of our mod mommies here in the Discord, and so I just Ooh. imagined it like a little like Five Nights at Freddy's security guard, like going down a dark hallway, and it's just like, oh, what's this room? And it's just like three of us, like animatronics, recording a podcast about <laughs> about our security guard. It's amazing. <laughs> um, but you know what? Now that we're talking, this is oh my god. <gasps> What is this, a crossover episode? Shit, we've been on each other's podcasts. Because Jakey and I were on Alone at the Table for the show Swap 2. Mm-hmm. Holy yeah. shit. This is, the web. This is it's crazy. Connected. It's an it's intricate web. <laughs> They're in the walls. <laughs> They're in the goddamn walls. Um, shit, dude, this is going to be crazy. Um, did we even mention what we're talking about today? No. I don't think we did. I was going to segue from the intricate web, but, you know. 
been waiting for you to uh yeah to, to extract the 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 bones of the conversation that's a joke for me uh. Aubrey, at least. God damn. <laughs> you see there's skeletons in this thing it's about necromancers so naturally that's true um oh jeez. so i just kind of want to start if i may unless you guys are on a roll and then i could i could shut up but they're, uh, from my perspective, because, you know, this is the beginning of season four. This is the th- third episode of the season. Sounds and right. that sounds about right. And we just, you know, we sent out the submission forms of like, hey, tell us what you want to talk about. What do you want to talk about? And uh, it was just kind of nutty to see the same topic twice. So I was like, huh. <laughs> and I dug a little deeper. and I'm like, those are my friends. And so, um, you know, we, we went to the other host. We're like, hey, like, should we do a double whammy? Do you think they'll want to talk about it together? And it's like, no, we could always ask. It. And, you know, if they say no, whatever, that's fine. We'll work. We'll figure it out. Um, so I messaged y'all separately. And uh, y'all were both like heckin' on board. And so. Um, <laughs> and Jay, you actually brought up this topic a while ago, back during season three. I think you messaged me about it of like next time. Yeah, I want to do yeah. this one. Uh, so, so c- c- can we say what it is, or are you leading up to saying what it is? Because I, I don't have I, to if you haven't. I thought I was going to have a clever way to lead up into it, but I don't know what the hell this the series is about other so, than lesbians okay, in prison. Okay. So, 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 some time ago, uh, last November, I am at a friendsgiving party where my good friend Liz tells me about a book she's been reading and a book series she's been reading. Uh, the book is called Gideon the Ninth, and the series is called The Locked Tomb. Uh, the, the books being Gideon the Ninth, Harrow the Ninth, and Nona the Ninth, uh, which with uh, Electo the with Ninth, Electo the final the ninth. one forthcoming. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so at the start of this year, I th- this is like right when we started releasing episodes of Additional Poses Required. I think I just needed like... <laughs> a thing to be getting really into while working on that kind of to cope with the stress of working on a big thing like that. So I start reading hey, uh, Gideon the Ninth and it is not long until, yeah, Roma, I message you being like, hi, I've, it's been, I just read this whole book in a week. I haven't done that since I was in college. And then I was at GPA related gunpoint. I'm going to need to talk to you about this series at some point. There's two more books. Let me read those, but just, FYI, I'm going to have to talk to you about these books about necromancers at some point. <laughs> and then uh, some point after that, you and I were actually on a on a call. I think it might have been after we recorded uh, Once Missed Wonders. You were telling me about it. And so, like, I went and immediately bought the first one. I haven't started it yet, but I, oh, do, I do own it because uh, you made it sound fucking awesome. I, I remember that conversation, actually. That's right. I love that you've been saving it for this. I hope I hope we pitch you further in its favor and not away from it. Oh, man, Jake, uh, I am so sorry because I'm a, I'm going to spoil it so hard for you. <laughs> I am the kind of person who does not get bothered by spoilers. I I, uh, I kind of, like, for some reason, it just does not bother me. So That's good. good, just because this series is, like, very hard to talk about without being spoilery just because of the form of it. Like, you could gotcha. probably talk about Gideon by itself without being super spoilery, but then to talk about it in the larger context of the series is really hard. Right. Well, once okay. you're at like the last chunk of the first book, it's pretty all bets are off from that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. Wait, I'm pretty sure. Let me check something real quick. 
Um, I guess in the same vein, um, on both sides as Jakey, like after Jay told me that they wanted to do this, um, book for an episode, I'm pretty sure the audiobook showed up on Spotify. Whoa. And it's been teasing me this entire time. Like, it's literally been like, hey, you know that book? And I'm like, no, 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 it's going to be an episode. I can't do that right now. And it's like, hey, the audiobooks right here, like on are my front page. <laughs> so good, though. So you definitely would uh, definitely would have a good time with them. Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, funny enough, not appearing on my homepage right now, but it was like first ever since then just staring at me um and then also before this call started uh you were you were telling me audrey that's like this is going to be heckin spoilery yeah. and i was like no nah, this saves me that well it doesn't save me because i'm probably gonna do it anyway but i like to listen and watch everything twice so i could see what happened but if i can get spoiled and find it first um that's why i spoiled myself on one piece actually so i can <laughs> see all the little easter eggs oda leaves behind um <laughs> But well, yeah, no, I'm it, so hyped. It, it's also like the same thing as like reading the manga while it's ahead of the anime, right? Like, yeah. Roma, I think y- you and I, I assume, are both current on Chainsaw Man, the manga. Mm-hmm. And so we both we both get to just bounce in our chairs and giggle for the next like five years as things <laughs> gradually roll out. Um, Actually, I've been uh, the One Piece live action in the same vein. It's just like, oh, oh I'm sure. so excited to see how they're going to do this in the live action. Um, oh, yeah. Or, uh, yeah, with Chainsaw Man, or I'm, like, looking at it, and I'm like, oh, this scene's gonna be so good with animated. But I'm getting off topic. We're talking about prison necromancy lesbians. See, you keep saying prison, but the thing is, it's not really prison. Um, no? <laughs> no, so the thing, okay, wait, am I, should I start getting into it? Do I need to talk about getting familiar with it? Do we care? I'm, like, chomping at the bit, and I'm aware of it. <laughs> I have too many things to say about this. Well, Jay mentioned how they picked up picked it up from a Thanksgiving Friendsgiving party. Um, how did you get into this series? I'm going to be real with you. I don't remember. I ah. feel like I osmosed it. Like it's just a you know how sometimes you know a person and you've known them for so long or it feels like you've known them for so long that you don't remember how you met. That is what it feels yeah. like yeah. with this book for me. I know that I picked it up very shortly after it came out. I had seen the like rote pitch that goes around, which is space lesbian necromancers, right? And knew nothing about yeah. it other than that one line. And it was uh, like pandemic time. And I was reading mm. so many books because like I read a lot anyway, but during pandemic, I was especially reading a ton. And I picked up the first one when it came out, and I never do that because I hate having to wait for sequels. But I did it, and I read it like three times before the sequel came out, <laughs> and um, and had pre-ordered Harrow, and then pre-ordered Nona, and was super pissed off when I found out Electa was getting delayed and won't be published this year. Um, but no, I wait, what? I didn't know that. Son of a bitch! Really? <laughs> yes, I'm serious. <laughs> It was supposed to be coming out like towards the end of the year. And I went to my local bookshop like a month ago to place the pre-order because I usually do that a few months in advance. And they were like, I'm it's not coming up. Like I can't find it in our system. Let me check Amazon. And there was no Amazon listing. And so then we like Google, I'm like behind the counter at the store at this point. And we're like Googling Tansy Muir's (laughs) website, the author's website. And it's like, oh yeah, it's been delayed. It'll probably be 2024. And I was just like, 
what? You're killing me. You're killing me. Uh, um, Jay, in the meantime, though, if you need something to get into before uh, th- that book comes out, you should read the Iron Widow series, which is something else entirely. <laughs> okay, oh. noted. We'll talk off, off mic. Yes. <laughs> I, I second Iron Widow. It's so good. Um, that one, the sequel got delayed too, but you know, uh, it's fine. I'll talk more about that later. <laughs> But yeah, I, I really couldn't tell you. Like, I don't know where I saw the pitch for it. I don't know, like, where I bought the book. I just picked it up and read it. And yeah, and here we are. And now I have a folder on my phone called Gideon Blogging. That's like 150 shots of pages from the three books. So yeah, I'm normal. Hell yeah. I'm normal about this series. You, sh- uh, you know what? <laughs> That'd be funny if I made it a Patreon goal, and then you have to like put that in a Google Doc and share the link of all your thoughts. I mean, you don't have to; it's just a bit. Oh, in my no, head. no, I totally would do it. I will save like the the screenshot I have of the album and just like the pages and pages of stuff that I have highlighted. Goodness, so many things. Uh-huh. Should, should we get into it? Should we talk about what? I feel like we've been saying the same three words and not really talking about what the books are. I, feel I like mean, we should it's like lesbian space yeah. necromancers, right? And everybody says that. And okay, there's right. so much more. Let's break it down. Lesbians, no one kisses. Go yeah. space. For it. it does I take place timer. in space. <laughs> necromancers. They are necromancers. <laughs> also, also, I hate to throw this in now. Homestuck. It is based on a fan fiction mm-hmm. of it. Anyway, oh, no. no. Here's the thing. It is, it is extremely like you can tell that Tamsin Muir is an author who was a millennial who grew up on the internet and read Homestuck, and yeah, the yeah. It, the influencers are pretty clear. But okay, Gideon. I mean, Bluey's the same way. You look. I have heard. My I have heard your theory. <laughs> I watched so much. Wait, sorry, I watched so much Bluey right now. <laughs> What the fuck are you talking about right now? The, the dog yeah. show? Yeah, yeah I, there's the <laughs> They have pros they have prospect and dirt, uh whatever the other one is. It's not dirt. I know it's not dirt, but you know what I mean. Durst. Thank it's you. it's Durst. I hate that I remember all the homestuck words, but it is Durst, yep. <laughs> they have that in the background. Also Sam's Undertale is there, but it's fine. It's a children's show. It's what just... the fuck is Bluey about? We can't no, get into we can't. this. I we will, can't I will this. gladly tell you about Bluey on another episode or, or off call, Jay, because I know so much about it now. No, I, you better include I... my ass in that shit. I want to know. I love that show <laughs> so, so much. Um, but yeah, so, so this book series takes place in space. That is what you need to know first and foremost. Um, it does take place in our solar system. There are nine houses of the Empire, and their leader is called God, as in capitalized like the Christian God. But hey, spoiler alert, he's just some fucking dude. Um, and actually not a great one. He's just a guy. Yeah, he sucks. Um, but yeah. he invented necromancy. His, his name's John. Yeah, he sucks so bad. Um, he invented necromancy, and there's the nine houses, and there's necromancers making up the population of each nine houses, and you learn basically that they're um, nine planets of the solar system. Uh, and then it's yeah, they're they're basically like like the civilizations on these planets are are sort of organized around these like nine houses of nobility. Yes, yeah, basically. it's like a very and, very uh, like. I mean, it's it feels very medieval, like hierarchy wise, the way that it's set up, and then the necromancy is like very yeah. much um formalized like 
there are necromancers and there are cavaliers and um but anyway we start out on the ninth house with gideon nav who is um i mean this is the part where it's kind of a prison basically she's at on the ninth house against her will and wants to join the empire's military to get out of there. The military is called the cohort and she's beefy. She's beefy. She, she's kind of, she's kind of in like indented in adopted in bent entered servitude. Like what you kind of learn is that she, she's like, you know, 18 year old beefcake, uh, great with a broadsword. She showed up as a baby, uh, on the steps of the ninth house effectively. Yeah. Uh, was taken in by the, you know, at the time, the, I I forget the names of the effectively king and queen of the ninth house. They, okay, so they have some truly, they have truly bonkers ass titles in the ninth oh. house because it's all. Are we going to get into the way people are named in this shit? Because it's, it's insane. Oh God, yes, we are. Oh my God. They, okay, so they have like, they have bonkers ass titles, but they take Gideon in basically. And then all of the children her age and younger um, die. And we later find out that they were killed on purpose, but Gideon doesn't die. And so now she and the reverend daughter, who is the ruler of the house, um, because her parents are dead and she's puppeting around their corpses. Don't worry about it. Don't ask about it. The Reverend daughter, Harrow Hark Nonagesimus, is the um, only other person her age on this planet uh, with like a dying population and just like decrepit ancient people, nuns, and like what Ortis, I guess, is like the next youngest person and his ship blows up when he tries to escape yeah. duty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's. Yeah, yeah. O- o- Ortis is uh so the like uh Harrowhark who who <laughs> There's so much to say and I'm like I'm explaining this bad. No, yeah, you're good. <laughs> yeah, you're good. You're good. Can, can I like tap in a little and and like get us a little more linearly into it just to like help please, out? So please. Uh, yeah, G- Gideon basically has grown up in this place knowing two other kids her age cuz all the other children who lived in this entire Effectively, kingdom on Pluto. I not Pluto. It I is forget Pluto. what planet. It is Pluto. Audrey, hold your fucking horses. We'll talk about the alignment of the planet. <laughs> it's Pluto. Okay, it is Pluto. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So, uh, the only other two people her age growing up are Harrow Hark Nonagismus Harrow, uh, which is who the second book's named after, uh, who is effectively like the princess, so to speak. Uh, Reverend daughter is her title, and then uh, Ortis, who is her cavalier, which is basically the like swordsman apparent to the the person in that position and ortis loves poetry doesn't like fighting he's His a mama's mom boy very killed. very romantic uh, poet lord byron he is such a mama's boy he loves his little poets and their pretty words and he doesn't like fighting very much and then he gets blown up and killed in a helicopter accident. Yeah, because his mom so so because the reason yeah. that he gets blown up is because him and his mom are trying to escape the ninth house because there has been a summons from the emperor for the scions of all of the houses and their cavaliers to report to the first house which is the dead remains of earth to basically see if yeah. they can ascend to lichterhood. And lictors are like the right hand, the fingers, I think is what they call them, of of the emperor of God. The fingers of God. Yeah. Is it lictor and not lictor? I have been reading it as lictor for eight months. I am going to be real with you, Jay. I don't know how any of this shit is pronounced. I am just pronouncing it how I, I feel in my heart. 
Lichter that, is that's honestly... Fine. You keep saying Lichter, I'll keep saying Lichter. I we'll think just, it's totally you know, fine. Tomato. It's like, I don't know, it's like the stuff in these books is like so steeped in the way that uh, Catholicism adorns everything that I yeah. have like in my head the Roman Catholic pronunciations for adjacent words. But, so the point is, they're summoned to the first house. And um, surprise, you thought that this book was going to be some like big epic space fantasy and maybe it is but it's actually just an agatha christie novel set on um the dead earth i love agatha yeah. christie oh, it is a it is a locked room mystery where someone uh is murdered and then they try to figure out who murdered him murder and the dead remains of earth are amazing i realized that my brain might have done you know how you like are typing and you accidentally maybe like select a chunk of text and delete it, but you did it so fast and you're not sure like how that happened. That that happened in my brain just now, but uh, you said it's a murder mystery, but you yes. said there are a lot of it, necromancers. Yes. So oh. all of these people are necromancers or half of these people are necromancers. Right. Uh, basically all of the like nobility of these houses are necromancers that is like part of what it means kind of to to be part of that nobility a bit and and what exactly that means changes based on what house you're from so harrow harrow hark who is the you know necromancer princess of the ninth house basically her shit is bones later on in the book there's a really good line uh yeah, yeah. Show show them what the knife does, Nav. We do bones, motherfucker. Right before uh, Gideon and Harrow oh my God. Ch- charge into a battle together. So there so she's a bone witch. Um someone else kind of just like manipulates fat and sinewy tissue to do stuff like It's gross. There's the soul, there's the creepy eighth house soul stuff, like Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. Then there's there's a lot of different interpretations of of necromancy, but really think about it, yeah, as if it's like an entire you know, broad magic system like you'd have in any fantasy novel series or like tabletop zero or RPG, whatever that is entirely based around like different variations and interpretations of necromancy as a concept. Um, so, so from each one of these houses, one or in one case two, uh, necromancers from like the high house, uh, come along with their cavalier they're like right hand swordsman swordswoman swordsperson uh and yeah like audrey said it they all end up in canaan house which is this uh large mansion where they are basically prompted to what what was it so it's like a palace kind of okay i said that and then i immediately had an epiphany jay it's the laboratory that john was working in right yeah, that's yeah. what Canaan so, House so is. It's it, it, it's I, I feel like it, it's a palace, and the laboratory's under it is the whole idea, isn't it? Because they sort of go down into the depths and find the facilities. Yeah, where they the, build like so they, they built a palace on top of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ba- basically, what happens is they are told in this place in Canaan House, uh, there are tests that you have to pass to potentially become one of God's next lictors. Lictors, uh, you. It's up to you to figure it out. Here's a key I'm going to give to you, to each of you. Fuck off. And, you know, the rest is your puzzle to figure out. And yeah, from and there... the only person at Canaan House is a little little old man named, um, <laughs> what, they call him Father? Uh, I think. I forget what they call him. I think it's Father. I mean, it was something creepy. I, I think you're right. They, yeah. Yeah, it's him. And, like, later they discover that there's, like, revenants, basically, um, like, revenant 
um, spirits attached to like skeletons that do some stuff and they're like servants and blah 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 and all this stuff but yeah yeah man Th- there's skeletons walking yeah. around all over this house doing kind of the beck and call there's a lot of skeletons in these books there's just skeletons walking around doing stuff for people uh autonomized skeletons is just a normal thing you have if you uh live in this universe i love it yeah they do they do so much cool stuff and like so there's a huge cast of characters and i could name them all but i'm not going to the only one you need to know is sex pal and I'm sorry, um, <laughs> so his name is Sextus Palamedes, and he is the necromancer of the sixth house. And his cavalier is named Camilla. And there is a point in the book where basically, so you, all, you meet all these other necromancers and stuff, and you realize that all necromancy isn't like the ninth house's necromancy. It's not all decrepit and dusty and gross and like dying populations. Like there are just kind of more relatively normal ass people here. And, um, but some of those people are, like I said, uh, Sextus and Camilla and Harrow has ordered Gideon to like not talk and to basically be in the like ninth house school face paint and her, her big imposing robes and to not talk. And so when she finally talks to Sextus and Camilla because she can't find Harrow and she needs to ask them for help, she says, did you know that if you shorten your name, it's a, it is sex pal. And that's what she says to him. That's like the first thing. Oh that my is fucking God. incredible. Um, yeah, th- this is after Gideon has just been a completely silent figure stalking around this mansion for like days. And, and all everybody, these other yeah. are like, what the fuck is her problem? <laughs> They're like, wow, the Ninth House nuns are so weird. The Ninth House cultists are so weird. That's incredible. The thing about it ultimately is like, yeah, so this this first book is like them solving these mysteries in this house, right? So it's Gideon specifically. Gideon is not Harrow's cavalier, like swords person. Uh, Ortis, who we talked about, disappears and then dies. And so Gideon basically has to last minute step in as the stand in. And as they kind of go into to, to Canaan House, you start to learn that these two have like a really complicated history uh, because, you know, that they are two of three kids who grew up together. Uh, in very different circumstances, but in the same place in the House of the Ninth. And they ostensibly hate each other. Um, yeah, yeah, but it, but in a, it's complicated kind of way. <laughs> in a, like, uh, we have so much shared history that it feels like the only choice we have is to hate each other kind of thing until the, yes. like, swimming pool scene in the book, which is great, but... Um, yeah, and, until until the the scene that made my fucking heart flutter and, and made me the emotional saddest I've catharsis. ever been in my life. Oh, God. So basically, um, okay, I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna skip ahead. I'm gonna skip ahead, or we'll never talk about the other two books too, Jay. Um, so okay. the, it doesn't really matter a whole lot um, who dies. Um, it but but know that more than one person eventually dies, and they're all still searching for the way to become a lictor and like testing these various theorems. Like one of them's really gnarly. It's like an energy field that like peels off your skin and stuff. And you have to regenerate it while you walk through it to get the answer and stuff. So like it's stuff like that. Um, But essentially we find out um, from Harrow that the reason all those kids on the ninth house died is that her parents were trying to give her the most and best possible necromancy in the hopes of rejuvenating their house so she is like just a generation battery she is like a generation of children like necromantically all stuffed into one body but she's like she's just one person but it's like they all died and all of their necromancy and all that they were is in her and 
Gideon is the only one that wasn't killed in that experiment. And basically her parents couldn't stand what they had done and killed themselves. And so she's been parading their corpses around. Oh, and, hell. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, me- meanwhile, meanwhile, Gideon blames herself for for uh, Harrow's parents killing themselves because she's like, if I had just died, then they wouldn't have felt like it failed. And Harrow's like, we we made your life a nightmare for your entire life, and also I'm a war crime. There, there's a great line where where Harrow calls herself a war crime, and and the narrator's just like. Gideon looked at the war crime. Yeah, <laughs> it's just very also. Very I am funny little completely full of shit. They opposite. didn't feel bad at what the, about what they did, and that that's not why they killed themselves. They killed themselves because the ninth house has one thing that is very particular about it. There is a tomb that was yeah. locked by God that no one is supposed to enter, and you can't let whatever is in the tomb out because it will be his undoing. And Harrow opens. So the ninth it. house is the keepers of. Yeah. Yes. And Harrow opened it as a child, like as a 11 year old, 12 year old child after fighting with Gideon. And so that's why Gideon blames herself, because she's like, if I if this hadn't happened, you wouldn't have opened it and they wouldn't have killed themselves. Because they basically saw it as such a disgrace to their house and like a failure on their part that they decided they would rather die. And Ortis's dad, the actual cavalier, um, died, like killed himself also. So it was, it's pretty dark. It's pretty grim dark. Saying it all out loud like that, I'm like, wow, it's hard to explain to people why I find so much joy in this series. But it's because the thesis of the series is that, like, love is, is everything. Like, it's, that's all we have, you know? This feels like the same reason I love Chainsaw Man a little bit. I completely Hon- understand. Honestly, y- y- you, could, you could draw a line. I, I could, <laughs> one can draw a line between any two things. No, I, I, I can, I can kind of see it. I'm in full immersion mode. Like, I I catch myself and I apologize if I find myself. You know how you you have like a an eight hour YouTube essay about Victorious playing in the background, <laughs> and you're you're really into it, but um, you just kind of it, it's just where your mind's at, but you're not like talking. You know, you're just absorbing. I keep finding myself doing that. I'm like, wait, no, fuck, this is a podcast. This is <laughs> 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 I, I can interact. They'll hear me. <laughs> Um, wow, we we are Quentin reviews in this moment, uh, <laughs> and so uh, you know, instead of it being Garfield's, I have Heathcliff's all over the room, um, in like the imaginary podcast minivan space we're in. The whole inside's full of Heathcliff, um, and we're talking about lesbian space necromancers in a locked tomb by sealed by God. Uh, I'm really blown away right now, and we're only what. One book. My in. timer's been going. We're seventeen minutes, seventeen and a half minutes, and one book in, and I'm sold. And I found out it's twenty six dollars for each book on Spotify, but I could get really pretty hard covers on Amazon. The, co- the so, hard covers um, are so pretty. Also, if you pre order, you get the special edition that has the black edge pages, which is like oh um, my god, yes, my kryptonite. All yeah, right. I have I have that of the third one. It's beautiful. Give me a link. It did, Where is it? It did get black edges on, or it did get like whatever that black ink is on pages of another book i had in a bag Which feels with it, fitting, but it was you know? kind of hardcore that that happened. yeah 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 no no to the ninth nona loves so greatly that her love spreads to other books that have nothing exactly. to do with exactly it. it's perfect jay i think that i think that 
I think that I need to toss it to you to to cap the end of this book, which is like the biggest spoiler for Gideon, but is crucial to understanding the next two. Uh, okay, yeah. So I I had a, a thing I kind of wanted to say about the first book before getting to that, if I can, which is um, so so the reason I got really hooked by the first one of these is that l- like we've said, you know, you get you get pitched. Okay, there are these nine houses. It's this enormous kind of sweeping uh, multi-planetary space kingdom before. If you're like me, it takes you two books to even realize, oh, there's nine planets just like in our solar solar system. <laughs> this is obviously our solar system. I'm real stupid. Uh, so I didn't realize that for a while. But regardless of that, I, what I don't think that that's true. It's not obvious in the first what, what, one. What, what, what got me, though, was that, you know, you have that setting. But then, like, like Audrey said, you are just in this one location. You are in Canaan House for pretty much the entirety of this first book with people from all over this grander setting here, right? You have kind of like distillations of the houses of the stars all in this fucking literal house together, all dealing with each other. Uh, the third house the uh, has two different necromancers they sent, Coronabeth and Ianth Tridentarius, which are another pair of great names. Um, it, I, I was naming people crazy names in APR long before reading these, but boy, is it stoking the flames. Uh, you have all these people together, like, forming relationships, forming alliances, breaking alliances. Uh, Gideon and Harrow build a build big alliance with uh, the House of the Six, pa- 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 Sex Pal and Camilla. Uh, Gideon gets... God, we haven't even talked about Dulcinea. I, I was going to say, G- Gideon gets flirted with by Dulcinea Septimus, a beautiful, extremely sickly dying woman from the Seventh House who turns out to be something else. Um, but what, what I really like about it is that I think it's, I, I would so much rather gain secondhand knowledge and infer things about a grander sci-fi fantasy setting through a more limited lens like this, through just having, here's these people with their own limited experiences all in a place together, bouncing off each other, dueling each other, working together, betraying each other. Um, I felt like I got so much out of a grander setting that I wasn't even seeing 99.9999999% of just by having these people in this space together. And that, that is, I, all three of these books have magic to them. That is the magic of the first one that is not in either of the other ones that I think is really yeah. special about it. I just had to, to get that out I there. I think it's... I think it's rare to find, especially in fantasy, it's rare to find um, a a book series with a younger protagonist that isn't going to hand you the world building on a platter. Yes. And that's something that I really enjoyed about this series, because like you're saying, Jay, it's not illuminated to you in its entirety. And even for everything you think that you are learning and that you know about, like while you're reading, you get to the end of it and you're like, I don't know anything. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that makes it really fresh going into Harrow. And then she somehow did it again, where you start off on Nona and you're like, first of all, okay, I'm jumping the gun a little bit, but you start off on Nona and you're like, okay, so there are just normal ass people in this universe, uh-huh. like living normal ass lives, relatively speaking. Like the empire and the houses and stuff is not even the sum of it, the universe. It, it, but you know, yeah. it's like she's done, she's done that three times now. It, it takes three books before you see what normal people's lives are like in this setting. <laughs> and when you do, it's mind blowing because it's so outside the realm of what you've seen up to that point. Um, yeah. T- talk, talking about the end of Gideon, though. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, s- some deaths happen, uh, some, some 
revelations get made bit by bit. We see Gideon and Harrow. Harrow initially, when the two of them get to this house, is like, Gideon, stick around, shut up. I am going to figure out all this Lycter stuff myself. I do not need or want your fucking help. And over the course of the book, they kind of realize, well, we have to help each other. And that's how you get like the them opening up to each other and having the whole conversation about Harrow being uh, 200 souls in one body and, and all that. Um, eventually, you know, they start working together and uh, it is sort of revealed at the end that uh, the the D- Dulcinea, who who we mentioned from the House of the Seventh, who has been like flirting with Gideon, has been like making friends with her gradually over time. Uh, she is not actually Dulcinea Septimus. She is one of the existing Lycters, which the Lycters, they are the hands of the Emperor. They are also functionally immortal. Uh, it is revealed that she is one of them. This this happens shortly after you learn that uh, at least one killing, and and and, and Audrey, if you want to help me out here, but so Ianth, uh, mm-hmm. one of the other one of the other people from the other houses, ascends to Lycterhood and figures out what you have to do to do it, um, by killing their cavalier and effectively taking in absorbing. his soul into hers. That is that is what they sort of learn is that effectively if you have if you take someone else's soul into your body as a necromancer and you're able to hold them both there, you basically have like a positive and a negative charge that are like keeping each other continuously charged forever. And you just become an immortal super being. Um, yes. Yeah. So the idea is that you have to like keep them. And the thing, the thing that kills me about that is that, okay, go on Jay. I don't want to cut you off, but I'm like, I'm like in my feelings about this right now. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 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 so the brief version is we learn that, um, we learn that this one person is one of the old Lycters who has come to kill all of them. Like, like, and, and Audrey, stop me if I'm wrong, but from what I remember, she basically is like, hey, Lycterhood fucking sucks. I've been doing this for 10,000 years. I, I don't want to see more kids conscripted to this. We also learn, I think, I think at this point, we learn that she is part of a group called Blood of Eden, which we learn what that is way later. Yes. Um, and that she is sort of there as an adversary of Blood of Eden, which is a uh, resistance group against the Emperor and against the, the state of the Nine Houses. And they have Puritan-style names, and it's amazing. Yeah. Um, she's left the Nine Houses in order to, to ally with this group that's trying to, like, halt this system. It's trying to put an end to this insane societal system. Um, most of the people there die... Uh, what ends up ultimately happening is is Gideon kind of looks at Harrow. There's an incredible long battle with a huge bone beast. Uh, Gideon looks at Harrow and says, all right, we've got this, you know, we've got a Lycter here. Effectively, what she says is, you know and I know what you have to do to become like her, and you need to become like her in order to kill her and stop her from doing anything else. And, and uh, Gideon you know, says, I have to die for you to do this. Harrow is refusing. At this point, it is basically Harrow and Gideon have just, just turned to this point where they are, like, understanding each other as people, and they are, like, y- y- you know, th- these two mother, these these bitches love each other. They- them's bitches is gay. <laughs> like, they- these two people Them love each other as much as any two people have loved- ever gay. loved each other. And they have finally realized it. And now they are both realizing, or at least Gideon's realizing, hey, 
I need to die so that you can live. And uh, Gideon throws herself down on a on a like spiked fence, basically, and says, all right, I'm dying, Harrow. You better do it fast. <laughs> and kind of f- like halfway forces Harrow into do- doing the process. And so the last part of the book is this incredible kind of perspective merging between Harrow and Gideon that then result like like the process happens in a blur that the ways described reminds me of like being under anesthesia it reminds me of when i got my wisdom teeth taken out Mm -hmm. and my experience from that from the anesthesia was like as if i was revolving around in a big circle like and just like you know like with a blur in front of me unable to register what's going on she comes out of that uh you're still reading kind of from gideon's perspective i think no it is from harrow's perspective at this point but it's her still being able to kind of like feel Gideon in her and as part of her all of a sudden. Uh, and Harrow, you know, takes up the sword that she's never held before, but Gideon has. And Gideon's reflexes mixed with Harrow's magic basically turn them into one person. Uh, and, 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 and they, they, she duels, uh, uh, shoot. Audrey, what is Sept- What is Dulcinea's ap- actual name? Who actually is it? Do you remember? Cytheria. 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 She is Cytheria the first is her actual name. All of the Lycters have the first as the, the antonym of their name. Um, because the first house doesn't exist anymore. It's just John and his it's, ju- it's just John and his freaks. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, John's John's freak circus. But so the, so the duel happens and uh, the book kind of ends with uh, Harrow like feels Gideon kind of fading from her and then you cut to this end chapter where she wakes up in like a what I imagined is like where Luke Skywalker gets kept in a back to tank just a very like sci-fi spaceship hospital bed uh and God is there with her saying hello it seems you've it seems you've passed you and one other which is uh Ianth Tridentarius this other one we've mentioned yeah Um, and 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 Harrow is kind of hit with the knowledge of like, okay, you've done it. You're a Lycter. Uh, Gideon's gone. You're a Lycter. And that's just like the uh, uh, God telling her, rise, Harrowhark the first. Uh, giving her the first knowing, uh, name is, is where that first book ends. Holy shit. <laughs> the, the, that whole last chunk of Gideon is so intense. It's so hard. And there's a part where she says, you're already 200 souls of the ninth. What's one more? Oh, God. It killed oh. me. Like, that, it physically hurt me. Oh, hey, I found my book stack where I rented this from the library, actually, in January 2020. Can I? So I'm going to put that in the chat. But can I, can I, hold on a minute, if I can, if I can find it. Can, can, can. Can I can I read the thing that Harrow says to Gideon as she's dying before they like do the procedure? You know the quote. It's she she just kind of holds her and and says, Gideon, this is so this is coming from someone who has bullied Gideon all her life, been nothing but fighting with her constantly. They have been tooth and nail at each other for 19 years. Harrow, as as Gideon is basically bleeding on the fence before they merge souls and start doing all this. Gideon the Ninth, first flower of my house, she said hoarsely, you are the greatest cavalier we have ever produced. You are our triumph, the best of all of us, and it has been my privilege to be your necromancer. And she just says that to this bitch as she's fucking dying. And, and like, it is just so much 
there is so much in this first book, especially I feel like, but across the whole series of people just expressing the truest love for each other a little bit too late and gradually learning how to do it right on time instead of a little bit too late. That is a thing that I just feel a like. Bit. Yeah. Yeah. Just so just a little bit before that, she's like, it, she says, I can't fathom a world without you in it. Oh, oh, fuck. It, it's so Gay. much. I'm just, like it is so heartbreaking and the other thing okay so jay this is something that i realized on uh reread which sucks Mm -hmm. um but these books have so much for you to find as you go back through so there is a point earlier in the book where they talk about how harrow's precision is so good that she could i actually think they talk about this in harrow but they talk about her precision being so good that she could like pinch off a single artery if someone was bleeding out but she can't do it for Gideon in this moment because she's spent. Oh no! And it sucks to know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's the, the idea that like Harrow is is like the most like an incredibly accomplished necromancer. She has like some of the most adept abilities, like you're saying, of like anyone in this place. And yeah, she can't like the one person she has actually cared about saving the entire book while like a murder plot's going on she can't save and it's incredibly tragic and then we get a whole book from her perspective hey audrey how fine is she doing in harrow the ninth so in harrow the ninth she has literally done psychic surgery on herself so that she can't remember gideon to the point that there is a lictor named gideon the first and she has replaced his name in addition to gideon and all of her memories with ortis well, Ortis, as though Gideon was never her cavalier. Ortis and being the person Ortis who was her cavalier. Always... Yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, no. Um, it, so th- we get these like weird juxtaposed like memories of Canaan House, but with Ortis there instead of Gideon. And then the other part is Harrow being among the lictors, and it becomes very apparent that Harrow is not truly a lictor, like that she is not as powerful as everyone else, that something went wrong, that she's only a half lictor. She 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 doesn't have the like there is power from the other soul that should be in her that she is unable to take from, basically. And it's because she has locked Gideon away in a part of her brain that she can't access, so she can't have the lictor power. And she, in her mind, did it because she was trying to save Gideon. And there's a part of the book, because the second book, Harrow, is written in second person. Like, it's, you did this, you did that. That's the way it's written. And you realize later in the book that it's Gideon saying that. And there's a part where she says, I gave you everything and you didn't even want it. And it's just like, these two are miscommunicating so hard. (laughs) Oh, my God. God. I, I... I need to find another quote if I can. Give me one yeah, minute. Yeah, while you're looking for the quote, I'm, uh, I, I'm like blown away right now. Especially, I don't know if y'all have been looking in the locked tomb thread, but I've been looking up art of these characters because I do better if I have like a visual reference, um, to like put names to, um, because otherwise it'll just kind of get lost in the doom box of my noggin. And, uh, I am. Mm-hmm. Fucking simping right now. I know it's probably not the best there- time to go from really like a stressful, like dedicated love, but also like 
trauma with love and then I'm like over here like <gasps> muscle ladies <laughs> no listen the simping is actually fundamentally very important it's actually really important that you simp it's important that you find your people to simp to the hardest and simp at them with all the power within you thank you uh, um, I, I can't find the quote but the, the like needle drop cause yeah it's second person the needle drop for like the moment that if you haven't picked up that maybe there's a reason it's in second person by this point that Tim's and Weir is just telling you this is why. Um, there's a point later on in the book where so uh, the people from the sixth house who Audrey mentioned, uh, sex pal, that guy, he dies in the first book. His soul is in a little pocket dimension somewhere in the afterlife in the river, which is the afterlife that you learn about in the second book. Uh, Harrow goes there and meets him, not remembering who he is. She's kind of locked that away, too. Uh, and at the end of this whole conversation they have, as she's leaving, uh, the narration still in the second person. It is something to the effect. I am not looking at the quotes. I couldn't find it. It is something to the effect of. And as you were leaving, it never it, it, there was never even a hint that he may have noticed me. And that is the second person narrator referring to themselves as a person all of a sudden for the first time 300 pages into a book. Here's the problem. Because it's a fucking jump scare. Harrow is being, we aren't sure if she's hallucinating or if she's being haunted, but she refers to the body, which is the body of the woman who was in the tomb that she saw when she opened the locked tomb as a child, who she has apparently been in love with forever. And she doesn't know who this person is, but she is seeing the body. Now, Jay, when I read the when I read Harrow, I had a lot of lively debate with people about whether or not the body was there. And the answer is she's fucking there because they go through the river and that is like the catalyst for the spirit. And so um, whether or not she's hallucinating or being haunted, the point is you think for a really long time that the narrator might be the body. That never occurred to me. I got to be honest. Some some hey, of us totally think that for a really long time. That's really interesting. I actually, that for that's a really a, long time. That, no, that's a great way to read it, though. That's a really fascinating read because I, I I always I something interesting about the body to me is that because what, once you do learn that the second book is being from Gideon's perspective, Gideon doesn't give a shit about the body, which we we later learn that's uh, Electo, which is the the. Goes by many names. Um, Electo the first, which is good. Electo the ninth will be the title of the final book when that comes God, out. I just don't. Um, I'm like, I'm like, I like, haven't even gotten into half of it. The, <laughs> the, 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 the thing that's interesting is like Gideon doesn't give a shit about that. Like to Gideon, it doesn't matter. That's just a thing Harrow's in love with. That's just a thing Harrow is seeing and Harrow cares about. And so I feel like the, whether the body is something that Harrow is hallucinating or like you said, being haunted by, by like, as like a malevolent spirit, the ambiguity of that, I feel like is Gideon as a narrator kind of controlling the way we look at it, which I think is really cool and interesting. It's true. And also the the thing about the body is that it's not malevolent because there are definitely parts where it like Harrow describes deriving comfort. Yeah. And mm-hmm. saves her ass because, because Gideon the first, who is known as Ortis the first for most of the book because of Harrow's messed up memory um, is trying to kill Harrow like a lot um like for most of the book and there's some like oh is Cytheria not dead I saw Cytheria's body which they also have here because they're all mourning Cytheria um you know 
they're like, is she dead? Is she not dead? Is uh is Gideon the first into Cytheria's weird body? Uh also the okay, the thing about lictors, the thing you need to know is that they've all been alive for thousands, like ten thousand years, and they've all fucked each other and God. Um that is yes. canon. <laughs> there is a part These... where Ianthe and Harrow are trying to like look into something that they know they're not supposed to be looking into, and they do so by getting God and Mercy Morn and Augustine to hook up. Mercy Morn and Augustine being the other two uh, lictors who are alive and in this uh, location where most of the second book kind of takes place. They they just get them all drunk and, and get them all to fuck so that uh, Harrow and, 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 and Aeonth can... I, I don't even remember what they're specifically looking for they're at looking, that point. It's something so they to do just... with Cytheria's body because that's like the yeah. central mystery of this one is like, yeah, they're doing lictor training and we... Oh, yeah, they're doing lictor training. Which means we find out that what they're doing is they're converting planets that are living to um, to basically they're killing planets to mine yeah. the energy from the planets so that they function necromantically and can be planets yeah. for the Empire. However, those cre- create these ginormous beast things that then want to consume the lictors um, because it's the spirit of the dead planet. And there's a whole thing with like them being in the river and being pursued by these resurrection beasts is what they're called. Um, and because they're on a spaceship, they're on God's spaceship, John's spaceship, whatever. Um, and so the big, I mean, yeah. the big crux of the second book is like the reveal that Harrow has done this to herself, you know? Isn't that usually how yeah, it comes the- up though? For like in like IRL, it's just like, ah, this is the consequences of my actions that have come back for me. <laughs> well, she has yeah, all these yeah, like basically- secret notes she wrote and entrusted to Ianthe to give to people, and they're all like, do hand me this note if this thing happens. Like the amount of detail that she has put and thought into this plan is like absolutely crazy. Yeah, like like, like picture the the that duel at the end of the first book is like on the courtyard steps of that big mansion we were talking about. Picture blood everywhere, a 10,000-year-old woman's corpse lying over there, uh, and then this 19-year-old woman with skull face paint frantically writing as many little notes to herself as she can <laughs> while while uh, a, a, another lady uh, who also just ascended to godhood watches her like... What are you doing, fuck ass? What are you doing? What oh, is that? Like Ianthe is a huge flirt. <laughs> so annoying. Such a like Tumblr disaster girly. Um, like horrible. Yeah. Hate her. What? Um, hate uh, wait, her. Hold on. Explain more. I need to know. This person well, like, I, so I'm she's infatuated just like, with shitty little people. So first of all, she basically she's one of the twins supposedly twin necromancers from the third house except for that it turns out that her sister never had any necromancy and ianthe has been pretending for both of them their whole lives so her sister <gasps> corona beth oh. also their names were originally uh cana beth and uh Abel-y, which cane and Abel, oh you can't freaking oh, get God. more than that all right yeah um that's a little on the uh-huh, nose. <laughs> uh-huh, catholicism but so so oh, she uh-huh. basically has absolutely no remorse or empathy in the end of the first book when she's ascended to lictorhood and like just consumed her close friend and rejected her sister and left her for dead. Um, And she doesn't care about anything but herself and power and accruing it. And she is just like this slimy, smarmy, flirty weirdo to Harrow the whole time. And I'm sure that there are people who find it charming, but I found it very gross and grating and just like to 
she views everything as a tool, except for maybe not Harrow. And I don't think that didn't endear her to me. But she is very like disaster girly, like she loses an arm at one point and Harrow makes her one out of bone that then they plate in gold. Actually, it's kind of cool. That, that part. That part oh, is... she's, yeah, she's incredibly badass. Yeah. I don't know. She, she's an interesting character. She is. I, I, I don't know what the, what like the ultimate goal with her is. She's one of those characters who is full of disaster at every turn. And I don't know if she's going to get a satisfying conclusion at the end of the series, because I feel like she is just a disaster engine a little bit. Well, OK, so yeah. she's a disaster engine. But then in Nona, she and Gideon are like besties. So. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's a whole other a whole Wait. other conversation. <laughs> yeah, Romo, we we are not going to have time. <laughs> Oh, what do yeah, you mean? Yeah, I was going to say, we're, we're not even going to be able to get into Why? Nona, are we? I, oh. I, I had, like, one other thing to bring up about Harrow specifically, and then we can kind of, like, t- tease where that leaves off for Nona, because I actually feel like leaving Nona as a surprise for people, even if they're cool spoilers, I think that's spoilers, a nice idea, yeah. Is maybe a good move, just because Nona, Nona's so different as a book, you know what I mean? And it is the most revealing about the world. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. so... And 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 Audrey, stop me if I'm going if I'm glossing over anything you want to talk about. But so, um, through through through. So the thing that's fascinating to me about Harrow is that like like how Gideon is set mostly in this mansion on dead Earth. Harrow the Ninth is set on this this space station that that Audrey mentioned that is just kind of God and the Lichter's home. Uh, and it is one of those things where like the best way to show that. God and his angels are actually just a bunch of dudes is to show God and his angels just being a bunch of dudes. Like, you learn pretty quickly that God's name is John, and that really sets the tone for things very quickly. Uh, he makes references to, like, memes and things that we, the readers, oh, know are none things house from with modern left grief. Earth. None house I, with less grief I murdered it. me. I, I hate it, but I understand functionally why it's there. I think it's incredibly tacky and took me out of it a lot, but I understand so why it's there. Um, so, but, but what's, what's so fun is that, like, very quickly, it just becomes... The first book is Gideon wandering around a haunted house, trying to figure out what Harrow's doing, and trying to make friends and alliances and not, you know, not fuck up too bad. The second one is Harrow effectively wandering around a different haunted house because the body of the body of Cytheria effectively becomes a haunting object. Uh, Ortis, the, the, the one whose name is actually Gideon, who she has lobotomized herself into thinking of as Ortis, uh, is trying to kill her constantly. So it's basically the Resident Evil 2 police station in this motherfucker at all times. Hey, yeah. Uh, also, just it, really quickly, we should um yeah. we should mention that the reason he's trying to kill her is that um, he has seen, so the way that, that Lichterhood works is that sometimes you have your eyes and sometimes you have your Cavalier's eyes, like eye color. Yeah. Gideon always was described as having these weird gold eyes. And so sometimes Harrow has gold eyes and Gideon the first recognizes those eyes because it is revealed at the end that it, there was a big plot. He was sleeping with the blood of Eden commander, commander wake, <gasps> who also is like haunting Harrow's dreams in this book. Um, her like, memories of oh, pain yeah. and house her, her fake memories. That's a whole plot that we didn't even touch on. Um, But he was hooking up with Wake and um, basically used John's sperm to impregnate Wake. 
don't we're not gonna get again these people are all fucking constantly and so it's yes. not really that hard to get god's sperm and if you know the right so people. then gideon <laughs> is commander wake and god's son and or yeah. child daughter and so there's a moment like at the end where gideon is piloting harrow's body and so it's gideon's eyes and she looks at john and says hi dad and he said or she looks at him and says something and he says hi whatever i'm dad it's like another bad joke yeah um but but that's like the big reveal is that gideon is um god's daughter and um oh god i'm like on a very weird high roll here um it's also revealed that gideon the first was didn't fully absorb the consciousness of his cavalier and so they took turns piloting the body and they both were sleeping with wake which is a wild thing um which, yeah, that's uh, G- Gideon and Pira, right? Pira, yes, Pira, Pira thank you. Yes, yeah. and then, um, oh God. Ugh. First of all, I found the line you were looking for earlier, Jay. Um, oh, but, word. But you were always too quick to mourn your own ignorance. You never could have guessed that he had seen me. Yeah, there's the Gideon needle drop. Yeah, which was a big one, which is a huge one. Um, and then the other thing is, so with the reveal that um, Gideon is God's daughter illuminates in the first book. The implication is you can't open the tomb on the ninth house unless you have John's blood. Um, like his blood is what opens it. Gideon and Harrow had been fighting. There is explicit mention of Harrow having Gideon's blood under her fingernails when she goes to the tomb. Oh. <gasps> So it all ties together. I get really excited about that shit. I'm very conspiracy theorist. Yeah. <laughs> I love conspiracies. Yeah. I'm here for this. I'm here for this so hard. That's amazing. I have so many notes. I have I have these books in my cart. I just need to be paid. <laughs> um the the last thing I'd say is, well, okay, one, Audrey just mentioned uh at the kind of the climax of Harrow. Uh, Harrow kind of fucks off to the spirit world for a while, and while she's gone, Gideon basically finally wakes up. Like, the Gideon that is in her body wakes up fully, and is, like, allowed to take control for the first time since Harrow lobotomizes the name out of her head. Uh, and so you get these chapters where it's Gideon narrating, piloting Harrow's body around. Oh, and they're being uh, attacked in the first by aliens. What? while it's being under attack from uh like the minions of a res- resurrection beast and you get an incredible duel with one of the other lecters you get all the the stuff with learning about uh Gideon's parentage that that her, she has talked about i just think that perspective shift is done like incredibly well it's really cool the voice yeah. is so distinct for and both goodness yeah. that's so I, cool and then the third book's about a whole different motherfucker a whole other motherfucker <laughs> Kind of. There's so, isn't it? Uh, yeah, there's. I mean, there's a lot out there. We didn't. We didn't even really talk about the the river or the bubbles, and there's just a lot. You just see a lot. There's a lot going on. Also, Mercy Morn is what I feel like. I I just okay. It's like she's a nun, but but also not. Like she's the most uptight person in the universe, but also she. Technically, you could say that about Hera. You too, could. You could. Bit. She constantly is like asking like saying harrow's age and making her consistently younger and like referring to the new lictors as <laughs> yeah. babies like there's a point where she's like she's 12 That's... and then like later on it's she's eight and like it just is so funny it's a really good bit but she and augustine are like they're they paint this picture of incompetence that like at the end of the book they try to kill god and uh it doesn't yes, you do 
Yeah, and it doesn't succeed, but it's like this moment of, wow, okay, so they weren't incompetent. They were just also basically tired of him no. the way that Cytheria was. You, you, you learned, weren't they both in on the, yes, the plan the blood of with Eden thing. God's sperm and the creation of God? They were all in yes, on it, basically, yes. is what you learn. The problem, I think, um, with the um, plan is that Pyrrha actually loved Wake and um, Gideon maybe didn't. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Yeah, so, and, uh, and then, and, and then, uh, they try, another fun thing to know is that if they had succeeded in killing God, God is connected to the sun continuing to oh, yeah, function it, like, in the sky, out. and so if they'd killed him, the sun would have gone out. Not the sun! Yeah, you need that, is the thing about yeah. it. Oh. oh my goodness, I am, like, having a blast listening to you two, but I also know you guys said you have a time limit. So I don't I, I don't want to interrupt or stop, but um, if do you guys have any like last things you want to mention uh, before I roll I'm, into I'm some cooldown questions? Roll through the houses and which planets they are because I was so proud of myself for figuring this out. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> um, Please. So it's not explicitly said anywhere except for Earth, basically. Um, so the first house is Earth, the second house is Mars, the third house is Neptune, um, which is like inferred because second house is like the cohort the war house so that's how i knew it was mars third house neptune trident tridentarius twins fourth house is saturn um which is kind of um god it's like the rings and like the eating their young because the, we didn't talk about jean marie and isaac the children in the first book that die um and then not the children yeah the fifth yeah, two kids get fucking murdered as hell oh, in the God, first yeah. book. The fifth is oh, Jupiter. Um, there's a part where what's-his-face is described as jovial. I think that was a very loose connection, but it worked out because it was, like, the last one to fill in. Sixth house is Mercury, which you find out in Nona. <laughs> Seventh house is Venus, which is, like, the beauty house. And then the eighth house is Uranus, which, um, ironically and hilariously, there are some jokes that are made about Mercy Morn and the eighth house and the stoma and stuff and essentially it's it's a one huge butthole joke if you know that the eighth house is uranus <laughs> amazing yeah and then the ninth house is pluto Fuck. <laughs> i'm glad pluto gets the recognition it deserves the- yeah yeah well yeah because god god put uh the 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 body of the one woman who could destroy his empire in a tomb on the furthest out oh yeah i don't remember if it's in get it i don't remember if it's in harrow or nona but there is the there is an implication that he didn't expect there to be civilization there which is very funny that that's that comes up in one of the first two books that um i so i think what it is is that when uh in 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 the first book gideon at one point is is encounters uh the the people from the eighth house while while they're all in the, in the big mansion and they I, I think it's that conversation where they're basically like yeah the ninth wasn't yeah. really meant to survive like we just put people there to guard the tomb while we thought it was relevant and expected them to all die out and instead they made up a religion around it and became acolytes of their own accord god literally didn't yeah. want this and doesn't care <laughs> i mean i think he like kind of comes to but it's like yeah no we that wasn't really part of the plan. You guys have just been fucking around out there for yes. 10,000 years. Incredible. Oh my. Oh, there's so many different, like, I know that they, there's th- probably not thousands, but you know, to be dramatic, there's like thousands of other like qualities of these books that are 
incredible, but I don't know them about them yet. But just hearing sure. the few of um, the different qualities and tones and characters and uh, plot devices and plot lines that this book series has, I'm like, like just staring at the buy button, like sweating. <laughs> do it, do it, do it, do, do it, it, do it. The 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 thing, the thing. The thing to me that, that I, I think I think we've both like illustrated this in bits, but like it is so much about perspective and like the perspectives that you are following the story from who the characters are. Gideon in the first one, Gideon's like funny and sarcastic, but also like has this very vulnerable side that feels very it's much very like it is part of the same person who is being funny, sarcastic. Like, in those like ways. she's bought into yeah, all of yeah, the stuff it, it that is, was ever said about her a little bit. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. No. Like ab- absolutely. And and then Harrow in the second one is just like, you know, has has the personality of a, of a of a tiny but enormous fanged barking she's dog of just like like she is she is yeah she's an absolute Chihuahua human just <gasps> like desperately clinging to every bit of sanity she has as she's losing them but like still determined to fucking win no matter what um I, I i don't know i i i really like tamsin weir's prose i i think she's just a beautiful dialogue writer and that is so much of it to me uh yeah i don't know i love these books the third one's about a whole other character who you spend the whole book trying to figure out who they are because all the characters you know who are in it from the first two books are trying to figure out who she is it makes sense in context, I promise. Uh, it's, it's the really one that fun. I have the most philosophical <laughs> notes about, so it's probably good we didn't get to it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, we will definitely have to do like a part two or something after the fourth book comes out. Yeah, for those two yeah, yeah. Or something. There you go. That's yeah, absolutely. That sounds like a plan to me. Uh, I don't know. You said twenty twenty four. All right, season yes. five. Let's go. We're gonna have to. Re- let's go. Have to touch base. Um. Is this a good time for me to ask a couple questions before yeah. we close out? Cool. Oh, All yeah. right. I as as I I like to write notes as we go along. I have two pages in front of me, and uh, not two pages of questions, but you know, just just lots of things. But um, let's see. So you know how in a book or whatever you're consuming, there's a character you just feel like super close to, like personally. Um, I don't know what the fancy Tumblr term is, but like, if you, which character do you feel most connected to in the in this true Gideon, hundred percent. Gideon. <laughs> also, Gideon. Hell yeah. Get- like like the, it's literally for the reasons we just talked about too. Like the the self deprecating like. Uh, just th- there's something about Gideon that there's a point in the book where uh, it's while Gideon and Harrow still aren't getting along in the first book where Harrow asks Gideon to do something that Harrow clearly thinks Gideon is going to put a big fuss about and like be like, absolutely not. But all Gideon says is like, OK, sure, fine, I'll do it. Like, I'll, I'll do it. And Harrow has a moment of like, is that what it takes? Is that, you know, to, to Harrow very sarcastically is something to the effect of like, is that what it takes to decode your secret fucking code is just to ask you? And Gideon just kind of quietly is like, all yeah. I ever need is you to do yeah. is ask. Like, like, like kind of being like, you know, I know you and I have fought forever, but literally all I ever need you to do is look at me as a person for a second. And there is a way in which that manifests with Gideon throughout 
all three of these books that like really it fucking does because it's just Gideon wants oh like Gideon doesn't have parents and wasn't taken in as like a to be an adoptive child or anything like she was detritus she was extra extraneous like didn't need to be there and so it is something where her yeah. whole life has been about seeking someone to connect to and I think that that really informs the way that she is like talking to Harrow and about Harrow in the second book and the way that we see her in Nona too. Everything that you've said is just like shot stuff into my brain. And like, I love, I love a second person book. I know that some people are like a second person, but that's almost always my shit unless it's done bad. It's done very well. It's so cool. I believe um, it. It sounds like it. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to segue. I'm going to transition into the, in the same field that we're in. So for me, um, I may not be like a big time reader because I, I just have such difficult time looking at words. So I do a lot of like audio drama or audio production, like audio books, et cetera. But um, you could definitely feel like the tone of the author either way, whether you're reading it on a book pages or listening to an audio book. Um, for those who haven't or who might be getting into the Lock Tomb series, would you say that there's like another author or something else that you've read that has a similar uh like style to it? Because you keep you said it's in second person, but you am I making I think sense? So. so the first I book is in second person. That's just the second one. She changes that a lot. Um but like okay. having an author that's okay. similar, I mean I think a I think a little bit it's hard to me. It's a little bit like Becky Chambers stuff um, in the prose, maybe. But it's but her, Becky Chambers stuff is really, really sincere. It doesn't have like the veneer of comedy on it. Um, so I don't know. I think that that's mm-hmm. a hard question. Who, what, what? Um, what, what so, is Becky Chambers Long Way writing? to an Angry Planet, and then she's done the Monk and Robot series um, that's been out lately. She's another, like, spec sci-fi author. Um, God, I'm trying to think if there's, like, other authors that I would compare this to, but the thing is, is, like, it has the density of hard sci-fi or, like, really high fantasy, but is not written in the condescending way that those things are often written, if that makes sense. <laughs> I could appreciate that a lot. Yeah, no, I, I completely understand. Can, can, can yes. I throw out the books I've been reading after getting into those and draw a the, kind of shaky parallel between that's them? That's actually uh, <laughs> relating to my next question was uh, for those listeners who have already read uh, this series, Iron is there Widow. books that you Iron maybe Widow. recommend? Uh, <laughs> I second that. So so I, I don't read a lot of sci-fi fantasy because I, I find a lot of sci-fi that I've read to to not really have the kind of like limited perspective based way of Jay, showing the talk. setting that I, I have want. a list like, for you. <laughs> I I don't need a f- I I'm sure you do and I I need that list. So what I will throw out I I promise it's not just cuz of the name since reading uh this series of books that includes titles such as Gideon the Ninth and the word Ninth a bunch. I really like the book Ninth House by Lee Bardugo. Hey, Unrelated completely. No relation. Uh, Lee Bardugo. Lee Bardugo uh, is largely a YA author. She wrote the Shadow and Bone books, which I, I have not read, but I know a lot of people liked. 
Um, this is not YA. This is like adult fantasy. Ninth House and its sequel, Hellbent, which I'm reading right now, uh, are about a uh, a student at Yale who has been given a free ride to Yale because she can see ghosts. Uh, she basically is being used as kind of the supernatural auditor for this series of secret societies at Yale that are involved in the supernatural that like, you know, one of the early rituals you see in the first book is uh, a bunch of students in one of these societies holding a ritual so that a graduate from that society's next book gets popular and sells well, things like that. Basically like rich, spoiled kids using, using this like ancient well of magic that exists in like Yale in like, you know, New England uh, in the fiction of this book to, to perform all these things. And it's about uh, this kid who basically gets tapped to, 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 to take on this job after she is possessed by a ghost and commits murder uh, in, in LA. She comes from like a very different background and has a, and it's, it's a book that's a lot about like the, the relationship between the main character and the supernatural things going on in it remind me a little bit about Gideon and the more necromancy stuff in the locked tomb books. And then also uh, it has a kind of perspective on like the classes of people who exist around magic and how supernatural forces divide people like that, which is something that it's more interested in than the locked tomb books is interested in. But it made me think about some things that I I, I think people who like the Locked Tomb books might also like. So, uh, N- Ninth House and Hellbent by Lee Bardugo. I'm gonna I'm gonna rattle my list off real fast because I have a bunch. <laughs> but the first one is the Murderbot Diaries by Martha Wells. It is exactly what it sounds like. Uh, we follow Murderbot, who is just a very wonderful character, um, in a sci-fi universe. They're mostly novellas. There's a couple full-length novels, but mostly novellas. Um, and they're almost all mysteries. Um, so that would be my top one for people who like this book. Titan Shade by Dan Stout, which is like a noir in a weird... Um, it's not a fantasy city, but it's not urban fantasy either. So um, just a weird setting with that one. Um God, what else have I been reading? I mean, the Becky Chambers books, for sure. Like, definitely A Long Way to Small Angry Planet and the Monk and Robot series, both really good sci-fi series. Um, I read a lot of sci-fi and try to be discerning about what feels um, similar and, like, good to read. And a lot of what I'm reading lately is, like, novellas, which is ironic because these books are super long. And so um, it's, it's not the same, you know? But it is very gratifying to read something that is treating the world with care um yeah i've been wanting to like read a lot more sci-fi um i love it i just kind of have like fallen out of being caught up on on it basically so i am uh definitely wanting to to, like take literally any of you can bother me anytime I will be like, here is all of my sci-fi and sci-fi adjacent recommendations and weird recommendations, like weird speculative fic recommendations, because I have a huge long list and not enough people to talk about them with. Hell yeah, absolutely. Actually, I just picked up one the other day, so I'll, I'll hit you up about that. Yes. So. You know what? Where is it? It's in here. I know it is. Um, 
also just as a as a reminder, we have this lovely little thread here in the Hyperfix Discord called Book Corner with the old paper smell. So if you ever ah, yes. just wanted to pop off in there, you're welcome to it. I should. Oh, I also I guess Absolutely. I will say since we've been like posting a ton in the thread, um I cosplay both Gideon and Harrow, and so I dropped those others in the thread for people. They're incredible. Absolutely incredible. Uh, I kind of want to give Gideon a shot as well because, like, I'm I'm in love. It's so fun, so fun. I can see that cosplay extremely easily for you. <laughs> I I've been preparing emotionally and physically so I could just cosplay the women that I want to kill me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go. Um. Oh my goodness. Uh, I had written a bunch of questions, but as the episode went on, y'all like answered them. But I also wrote down a few funny things. Are you Are you interested in the few funny things I have before we close out? I certainly am. All right. Uh, the first one I wrote down is when uh, somebody said "them bitches is gay." <laughs> I loved that. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see. Oh, it was about uh, I think it was Harrow uh, with being full of souls. And so, uh, where did I write that? I wrote "slaps Harrow on the head." You can fit so many souls in this bitch. Um, in that one <laughs> meme, to which I I. Did that one again. Where did I write that down? I lost it. Um, I wrote down, I love a woman that would actually just kill me. And then there was the thing about killing God. So I wrote, I love a woman that would actually just kill God. And we talked about somebody eating something. And I wrote, eat them, chew on it. But I don't remember why. Could be, could be souls. Could be, we didn't even talk about the part where... Harrow feeds someone bone broth and then manipulates the bone broth into a whole second skeleton that bursts out of their body to try and kill them. Oh, <laughs> God. So, you know, eat that, eat that shit. Yeah, whatever. God. Oh, and, uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. I wrote, uh, sex pal is definitely the first thing you say to a man you've never spoken to before as well. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. Let's see. I think that is it for the funny things I wrote down, but I did make a note. Um, are we are we ready to close out? Do we want to say or do anything else? Sounds like we're ready to yeah. close on out, yeah. All right. Um, well, I'm going to go in reverse order of introductions. Audrey, would you like to plug your your uh, where people can find you on the internet or any projects sure you're thing. working on? So you can find me as Lady Tabletop Online. I am on Tumblr and itch.io, and that's pretty much it. You can find my show, Alone at the on moonshotpods.com um yeah that's that's where you where you find me online i try not to be too online these days it's valid uh jay where can we find you on the internet sure you can find me as extreme salsing if you see an extreme salsing somewhere online it's probably me it'd be weird if someone else also came up with that handle uh i'm on twitter which i don't really use anymore and also that website's name is still twitter don't at me uh i'm on blue sky i'm on tumblr I'm on Letterboxd, and you can listen to additional postage required. The audio drama uh, sci-fi show I made that Roma is in a couple episodes and... of, uh, and that uh, season one has wrapped. There's a postmortem on it. Uh, we are starting work on season two. It's a great time to get caught up. Oh, and also uh, uh, Champs in the Making, which I just recently hosted a couple episodes of. I am one of the rotating hosts of of that, and that's always a fun time. Jake was on it and Audrey was on it and we had a lovely time talking about creatures. We did no crimes. 
No crimes. No crime. Crimes? What are those? Don't even know. Criminals. There's criminals in my Discord. What is going on here? Huh? I specifically said we did no crimes. There's no criminals in your Discord. Only criminals say they did no crimes. (laughs) Also, thank you as always to Roma for when when they were first on and gave me uh, Starmy has big free-range gluten-free fidget spinner energy. A sentence that still lives in my head. Every time I see it. And will forever until the end of days. Oh my, I'm so glad I made such an impact because that was straight up like pulled out of a deep dissociation staring at that image for a while like everybody's talking and i'm like <laughs> this is the only thing that fell out of my mouth and i'm so glad it was good <laughs> um shaky where can we find you on the internet uh you can find me on the internet at uh, mr jakey Pooh on most websites since the kind of death of twitter i have Stop! I haven't been posting as much on any of them, but I'll, I'm mostly on Twitter and Blue Sky. Um, and you can also catch me sometimes on the Redacted Media YouTube channel, where we're uh, talking about the Dark Tower books. It's very good. They're great. Very they're, great. They're, they're wild, but they're great. Oh my goodness! And Roma, where can we find you? I'm on the internet. Uh, I used to be on the internet a whole lot, but nowadays, after the death of Twitter, um, I've been finding peace and not looking at my phone a whole lot. Um, but you can find me at I appreciate your butt at the twitter.coms. Um, I-A-P-P-R-E-C-I, the number eight U-R-B-U-T-T. And the same way on Blue Sky and Tumblr, t- TikTok as well. But I'm mostly on the Hyperfixes TikTok. Um, but yes, I was on additional postage required. That was a shit ton of fun. Um, I definitely got really emotional listening to the postmortem. Um, oh, so good. Um, and I, I definitely, uh, we talked about it, uh, in May, but there is a thing that I, I, I'm going to probably push a little bit to see in season two, but, um, I, I mentioned it to you then, but I'll remind you in a little bit. Um. Yeah, message me later. I think I know what yeah. it is, but let's just talk about it to make sure I'm right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you for listening to the show to the point where I, it's been over a year. We're in season four now. This is crazy. Um, holy shit. Thank you. Um, and we'll see you next week. Be safe. Don't die. Drink your water. Read your books. Touch some grass, maybe. And badoo. Badoop. Don't 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 throw yourself on a fence and soul bond yourself to a lady who's gonna lobotomize you out of her mind. You know, this podcast wouldn't be possible without the Moonshot Network. Uh you can find the Moonshot Network at twitter.com forward slash moonshot pods. You can see what we're doing live at moonshot.mov or moonshot.mov. Um, or check out our website. You can go to moonshotpods.com and see all the things that we're doing. Um and you can support the network directly at patreon.com forward slash moonshot network. Or if you want to support this podcast directly, if you know what I mean, uh, you can find us at patreon.com forward slash the hyperfixation, where for as little as $1 a month, you too can get episodes early. And you know what? You know who gets those episodes early? Our current patrons. Um, our current patrons for this episode, as of this time in place in society in the universe, is 
first up, below, and then we got Hitskin, Becky, Scott, Fairley, and Ver. Those four patrons carry this podcast on their back. Those four patrons love us so much. And you know what? You can help them out. You can help them carry this gigantic podcast with our longest episodes. You can help us keep this podcast going by going to our Patreon. I would love you forever. And I will announce your name at the end of every episode. Please and thank you. Also, we might be dropping merch. So if you want some merch, um, check out the Redbubble. Um, let me get that for you. Actually, yeah, if you go to Redbubble and search the Hyperfix pod, you will find our store where you can get our stuff on things. Is that crazy? Our stuff on stuff? That's crazy. Um, but yeah, check out the Hyperfix pod on Redbubble or Patreon, and you can find yourself some interesting ways to support the podcast. And uh, I also want to thank Offuscate, that is O-F-U-S-K-A-T-E, for our intro and outro music. So if you're looking for some podcast intro and outro music, check out their work. They're on SoundCloud, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, and thank you to our editor. Thank you to Kingdom. You can find Kingdom at twitter.com forward slash tachyon kingdom. Kingdom slaved over this episode and many of our episodes. So please give Kingdom a big thank you. Um, let's get back to that episode outro that I didn't record in advance <laughs> or in the, in the future. and come back and tell our own fanfic-inspired actual plays with them. We do things like a Star Wars podcast that takes place 300 years after The Last Jedi. What if any Zoids media was good? We tell stories in those spaces that are better than the ones that the corporations tell us because we're not fucking cowards. Please, come join us at Riley Hopkins and their amazing friends to hear a plethora of wonderful stories. Every once in a while, on the Moonshot Podcast Network, Riley Hopkins and their amazing friends. Hosted by me, Riley Hopkins. <laughs>